Before we begin, I just wanted to personally thank all the incredibly supportive listeners who have donated or signed up to be patrons of this show. I really wavered on whether or not to do a subscription package. Asking for help doesn't come naturally to me. But after three years of work, I had to be realistic. And it was either take the jobs I was offered saying what other people wanted me to say, or swallow my discomfort and ask for help to continue doing this independent work. So if you enjoy our content and think we offer you something worthwhile, please consider joining the wonderful Politics Girl Premium family and signing up for a subscription package. You'll get access to ad-free episodes of this podcast, direct emails of the rants, discounted merch, hosted Q&As, and the opportunity for in-person meet and greets. I've said it before and I'll say it again, not selling out is expensive, but with your support, it'll continue to be possible. To subscribe, click the link in the show notes or go to politicsgirl.com slash premium to check out the various plans or just make a donation. Thank you for caring enough about democracy to be here. We literally can't do this without you. Now, on to the show. And welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with return guest and brilliant mind, Tom Hartman. Tom is the host of the number one progressive talk show in America with over 7 million weekly listeners. He is a New York Times bestselling author of 25 books, a former psychotherapist, businessman, and progressive political commentator. Tom has also co-written and starred in four documentaries with Leonardo DiCaprio on environmentalism. Tom's Substack, The Hartman Report, is one of the smartest sources of information out there. I personally learn so much from him, and I'm having him on so you can too. Today, we're going to discuss the big picture around the latest Trump indictments. I'll do a series of rants that address the right-wing talking points against what, if you read the indictment, should really be an open and shut case against a traitor to our country. But this podcast will be more of a discussion around how the documents that Trump has been indicted for are most likely just the tip of the iceberg, and to put these indictments in the context of previous Republican presidents. Donald Trump is treated like an anomaly a one-off, an aberration, but he is hardly our first criminal president, and perhaps, if there had been ramifications for those who came before him, we might not be in the place we are now. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, radio personality, best-selling author, and endearingly approachable intellectual, Tom Hartman. Welcome back, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, well, the last time we had you on, it was uh, the day of the midterm elections, which, despite losing the House, I think turned out far better for democracy and the rule of law than people were thinking at the time. But we have to be really honest. The country has been through a lot in the past six years, and it continues to be under attack today. I mean, we had two Trump impeachments. We had COVID. We had an armed insurrection that basically almost stopped the peaceful transfer of power. The Russians invaded Ukraine. We overturned Roe. We flirted with crashing the world economy. And now we're looking at God. God knows how many criminal indictments of a former president with the Republican Party choosing to support Trump over democracy and the rule of law. So it's a lot for us to be taking in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right? Okay, so let's talk about Trump's most recent indictments. I mean, so far, 
if people do not know, I'm sure you do, but so far, Trump has been indicted by a grand jury on 37 counts of taking and keeping classified documents, including military intelligence, top secret information, and potential war plans. Despite what we hear about this being about the Presidential Records Act, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trump is actually being charged for violating the Espionage Act because the records he illegally retained are agency records from the CIA and the NSA and the Department of Justice. And they're covered under the Espionage Act because of their context in how they could be used to cause injury to the United States. And he's being charged not only because he kept them when they weren't his, but because he obstructed the investigation to get them back and lied about what he still had. As Barb McQuaid pointed out last week on Twitter, if he really believed he had the right to have everything, he wouldn't have needed to lie. So what is your take on this situation? Well, it looks like Trump is toast. Uh, you know, these are very, very serious charges. Uh, you know, Reality Winner was charged with releasing just one document. Uh, and, and at that, it was arguably a public service announcement. It was a document showing that there was, uh, according to the intelligence agencies, the U.S. intelligence agencies, there was a clear connection between the Trump campaign and Moscow. And, you know, she put that out there and boom, they, they arrested her. She did not get to post bail. She, she was locked up from the moment she was arrested. She spent five years in prison. You know, he's in serious, serious trouble, probably for the first time in his life. He's always been able to buy his way out of these things. You know, he got busted for his phony university, he paid a, four, a $25 million fine. He got, he, I mean, he's been busted so many times and just paid fines to get out of things or, or weaseled out of them. But I think the, the point that you made, Lee, the, you know, one of the really important points is that there are three kinds of documents that are covered under three different legal doctrines. And Republicans are just as aggressively as they can going out of their way to try to confuse people and conflate those three kinds of documents. There are, as you mentioned, agency records. These are records that belong to specific agencies within the federal government. In this case, we're talking about CIA, Department of Defense, National Intelligence Service, or National Security Agency, things like that. Agency records, uh, particularly ones that pertain to the national defense or to uh, intelligence operations, are covered by the Espionage Act. They don't even have to be classified. In fact, the, the, the word classified does not appear in this, in this indictment. Um, Trump saying, oh, I declassified, doesn't matter, you know, whether they were classified or not. He wasn't supposed to have them. They're agency records. They belong to the agencies. Then secondly, there's presidential records. Presidential records, this, this distinction came about as a result of Richard Nixon. Nixon tried to walk off with a whole bunch of paperwork after the presidency. In fact, he did walk off with it. And the government sued. And when that lawsuit was finally resolved, at which point, by the way, Nixon was dead, um, so the government said, OK, we'll give your estate 18 million dollars because Nixon was dead when this got resolved. Um, and uh, and then the following year, Congress said, OK, that's you know, that's it. We're going to we're going to create a law around this. And they put into yeah. place the Presidential Records Act that says that anything that happens in the White House, basically anything that the president does officially in his official context becomes a record of the presidency. And those are not under the purview of the intelligence agencies like the agency records are. Those are under the purview of uh, NARA, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the basic repository of but all But they belong to the government, not to the president himself. Correct. That's absolutely correct. So the bottom line is Trump stole national secrets, lied about it, had his lawyers lie about it, lied to his lawyers, had to have a search warrant issued to recover more documents, tried to hide those documents, had his people hide them, lied to people about hiding them, and then bragged about what he had. And 
We'll probably never have any idea what he actually did with them unless some spy in the future tells us that they see them in the hands of some foreign government. Well, and 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 the third the third kind of document is really important because this is the defense that Trump is making. I don't know if you caught uh, his speech when he at Bidminster, you know, the night that he was indicted, and he started out saying, "This has already been through the courts." That in the Clinton Sox case, uh, Bill Clinton had tape recordings that had national security information and talked about you know war plans and things in his sock drawer, and yes, he did. Um, and it did go all, all the way up to the federal courts, and they did rule that those were Clinton's personal documents. But what's different is that those were recordings of uh, a professional historian, and he was writing a book about the Clinton presidency. And you know, he sat down and interviewed Bill Clinton, and Bill said, uh, Clinton said, "Can I record this also, so I have a record of what I said?" And the guy said, "Sure, no problem." And the courts ruled that that had nothing to do with his being president. That was a personal record. It was a personal interview. It was about his life and, you know, including his life as president, but about his life. And uh, those are personal records. So you got these three categories, agency, presidential and personal. And Trump is trying to assert that his all this stuff he took was personal. Uh, you know, if, if he's asserting that it was covered by the Sox case, which is has been repeated over and over ad nauseum on Fox News and on right wing media and on uh, right wing hate radio. On the other hand, if, if he's claiming that he declassified them, then he's saying that they are agency records that somehow he had some right to. And there's literally nothing like that. And he keeps saying, oh, in the presidential records, that guy had the, well, the presidential records act does not deal with agency records. So. So we have to keep the three records separate. One is like the Clinton sock thing, which is basically like a diary. Two is anything the yep. president does, uh, but that belongs to the government once the president leaves office. And the third is belongs to all the national agencies, the NSA, the FBI, those kind of things. And they are not in the Presidential Records Act. They are separate. And that's why he's being charged under the Espionage Act. Correct. Got it. And I want to be really clear to the audience that no matter what you hear Attorney General Merrick Garland did not review or approve the charges that were filed against Trump in the classified documents case. A special counsel was appointed specifically for this reason, to act independently and to keep the Justice Department separate from the investigation to avoid any whiff of impropriety or bias. The prosecutor that we're talking about is Jack Smith, who was brought in from The Hague, the International Court of Justice, where he prosecuted war criminals, and he has been operating on his own, separate from the Justice Department exactly as he was meant to. So despite what Republican operatives are saying, this case is not a political case. It's a law and order case. And the grand jury itself that indicted Trump is not a political organization. It's a jury of his peers in Florida. Jack Smith himself said at the press conference after the indictment, we have one set of laws in this country and they apply to everyone. So what are your thoughts on the politicization of this story? Because in my opinion, the only people that are really playing politics with this are the Republicans. And quite frankly, their reaction to these indictments is alarming to me and for the rule of law. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. And I think it's tragic, you know, frankly. Yeah. Uh, this was the party that, uh, you know, since the Nixon administration has been claiming they're all about law and order. Um, you know, I, I mean, we know that when they were talking law and order in the 60s and 70s, what they really meant was keep down black people. But still, you know, they had the rhetoric anyway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously they're not they're not holding to that. Um, the, the Republican Party has just turned into basically a, an instrument of big business and, and billionaires. Trump gave them the tax breaks that he wanted that they wanted. He gave them deregulation that they wanted. You know, they want more of that. 
they're, you know, they're, they're willing to take it from DeSantis too, but you know, if it's going to be Trump, you know, they're going to be behind him. I think it's just, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's sad. It's, it's really sad. I'm increasingly thinking that, um, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look back and see that the democratic party split in half and you've got the, the Jared, uh, Jared Goldens and Josh Gottheimer, you know, the corporate Democrats, the, the, Joe Manchin Democrats are going to split off and fill that space that was filled by the Republican Party as the kind of center right. And the progressive Democrats are going to split off and become the continue to be the Democratic Party or maybe reinvent their name, the progressives or something. And because, you know, we we have a two party system. We have no no choice in that because the way the Constitution is written, we have first past the post winner take all elections. And that always produces a two party system. We're not a parliamentary system where if somebody gets 20% of the vote, they get, you know, if a party gets 20% of the vote, they get 20% of the seats in parliament. And you can't have a two-party system when one of the parties is not an honest player, when one of the parties is committed to lies as a political strategy, uh, to, you know, perpetual deception, to bribery, essentially. Everybody in the GOP is on the take um, from literally from, you know, the, the lowest levels, you know, people writing for publication, people doing right-wing hate radio, um, you know, the, who are all betting, getting spiffed by these giant right-wing networks. I used to know a fellow, we traveled uh, to Africa together, in fact, you know, who, uh, who was a right-wing uh, host. And he was telling me about all the different ways that he can get money out of this network. You know, just give a speech in a high school and you get a $30,000 check, that kind of thing. And there's nothing like that on the left. You know, all the way up to the senators. And I mean, how did Marjorie Taylor Greene end up being worth tens of millions of dollars all of a sudden? You know, um, I don't know. I, I, I just th- I think the Republican Party is on the verge of crashing and burning. Well, I hope so. Honestly, people keep saying we're two sides of the same coin. And I often say, no, we're not even the same currency anymore. I mean, it's not even remotely the same. And like you said, if the Democratic Party splinters to fill the two party spots, it's only because we're talking about people that still believe in democracy and the rule of law and the people who still believe that your vote should count. And the Republicans just don't don't believe that anymore. And you can't function like that. I mean, this goes well beyond Donald Trump. The Republican Party just continues to aid and abet him. And at this point, share in his criminality. You know, their defense of him right now in the face of all the evidence is obscene. They know better, but they're not backing down. And if anything, they become more militant. I mean, we're seeing in real time how disinformation works. We've got lawyers and congresspeople and right-wing pundits all out here acting like they don't know how an indictment works. And it's all some giant witch hunt rather than a criminal being charged with his crimes. And these people are incredibly dangerous because they know they're lying. And they know who they're lying to, and they know the people that they're lying to and what they're capable of. I mean, we watched an insurrection. How irresponsible is it for these same people to be telling these people that they want a civil war? And it's as if one of our two major parties would rather see the entire country burn for a chance to rule over the ashes than to let their golden goose be held responsible for his behavior because they might not make it back into power again. So... I think people need to be really clear. As far as I understand, there's not a single witness involved in this case that is a Democrat. Every single one of them is one of Trump's handpicked people, his lawyers, his employees, their communications, their correspondence, their photos. Everything in this indictment comes from his people and their verified information. So this idea that we're weaponizing the government against Trump is not at all the case. 
It's not weaponization to hold somebody accountable. And this indictment is really serious stuff. I mean, Trump is not being indicted because he didn't properly keep track of papers. People seem to be in denial about what was actually in those documents and what could have actually been potentially shared or lost or photographed or stolen or sold. I guess. I mean, one of the documents that was in the photograph from the box that spilled out onto the floor was marked secret F-V-E-Y, which means four five eyes only, which means it should only be viewed by people with sufficient security clearance from the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. And as you point out in the Hartman report, which I highly recommend people read or subscribe to, there's just so much we will never see because the lawyers and the judges and the juries that will see this case don't have the security clearances necessary to see them. So the documents that are going to be used in these court cases are almost certainly not the most sensitive or the most dangerous information. They're just the ones that Jack Smith believes tells enough of a story to get a conviction. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, he's toast, as as Bill Barr said. As Bill Barr said, yeah. I mean, Merrick Garland himself said that They don't do their investigations in public. And he said, this is the most wide-ranging investigation and the most important investigation that the Justice Department has ever entered into. And then you think back to other things the Justice Department has entered into, and you're like, really? More important than Ethel and Julius Rosenberg that we gave the death penalty to? Like, more important than that? Uh, I just think it's astounding, all the stuff we probably don't know and will never know, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look back at the timelines, I mean, when first of all, back in the in the '80s, when Trump uh, married Ivana, um, he, you know, they went over to the Soviet Union together to Moscow, and he was wined and dined by the KGB, and they they told him how brilliant he was and that he should run for president. He came back to the United States and went up to New Hampshire and did an exploratory thing in New Hampshire to to run for president. And then, um, you know, that same week or the week after, he published a full page ad in The New York Times, The Washington Post and uh, The Boston Globe, um, in which he was saying it's time for the U.S. to pull out of NATO and dump Japan as an ally, which is exactly what the Russians wanted. You know, they, I mean, they literally were popping champagne corks in Moscow saying we had no idea that he would buy this stuff. So, you know, fast forward. I mean, his wife, Ivana, her father was an agent for the KGB. This, you know, they were from Czechoslovakia under the Soviet Union. Yeah, Warsaw Pact, people. Yeah. Then, you know, fast forward, uh, Trump becomes president. His first couple of weeks in office, he brings Lavrov and, and Kislyak, the foreign min- fr- Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador of the United States, into his into the Oval Office for what he thought was going to be a secret meeting. And he burns a, an Israeli spy who's working in Syria, trying to stop the, the, the Russians from bombing Aleppo into, into rubble and, and killing, you know, hundreds of thousands of civilians. Um, and, you know, uh, as a result of that, the CIA freaked out and said, if he'll burn an Israeli spy, he'll burn an American spy. They pulled one of our most critical intelligence officers out of Moscow. This was a guy who had the ability to photograph documents on Putin's desk. I mean, that's how tight inside the, the Kremlin we were. And we gave that up. And, and then, in, you know, in, in 20, uh, what was it, 18? I, f- I forget the year that Trump met with. Um, yeah, uh, 2018 in, in Helsinki. Yeah, in June of 2018, as I recall, in Helsinki. And, uh, you know, he, he meets for two hours in a giant ballroom and he sends the translator to the other side of the room, um, you know, tells her to destroy what few notes she has when they're done. Putin is fluent in English. He speaks both English and German um, and uh, in addition to Russian. And, you know, we don't know what was discussed, but what we do know is that, uh, you know, two weeks later, 
when Trump is back in the United States, he gives Rand Paul a package of documents and says, please take this to Moscow and give it to Putin. Rand Paul hops on a plane, flies to Moscow, delivers what he says is a private letter to Mr. Putin on behalf of Trump. A private letter delivered by a a senator, (laughs) a sitting senator is going to be an errand boy. Right. A senator, by the way, who, you know, single-handedly blocked $40 billion worth of military aid to Ukraine, Rand Paul. And has consistently Um, taken Putin's side in the Ukraine war. Among other things. Yeah, he takes Putin's side on pretty much everything. And and then, you know, after that, uh, a couple of weeks after that, the Washington Post reports that that uh, the CIA is freaked out because suddenly all of their sources inside the Kremlin have, quote, gone silent. And that lasted throughout the, the, the Trump administration. I mean, you know, who did Trump burn? I, I, I want to know. I, I mean, you, you line these dates up and you look and and then a couple you know and then uh, you know this came out in early 2021 after Trump left office but you know it dates back to just a few weeks after everybody went silent there was a cable that the CIA sent out to to office you know to stations literally all around the world super super top secret um, that said that dozens of american agents around the world who were involved in anti-russian operations had been murdered i mean you know murdered and, you know, the, the spies were vanishing, they were disappearing, they were being tortured. This is not, I mean, I'm, you can just line this stuff up. It's not, you know, the, these dates, they're all public record, uh, all public records. But this is not the kind of thing where the FBI or the CIA is going to hold a press conference. They're not going to talk about this. Um, and that's, you know, that's, frankly, I think it's a shame. I, I, and I'm hopeful that, that uh, Jack Smith brings some of this stuff together. This is a whole nother level of awful that uh, Trump needs to be held accountable for. Now, you know, now we know that the grand jury in D.C. is running and they're going to be uh, probably bringing indictments for the phony electors scheme and maybe for inciting sedition. But um, I, I, I think Trump has been a Russian agent since the 80s, frankly. Well, I mean, reading reading all of the timelines lined up, it really does seem like he was either the most useful idiot or actually involved because, I mean, he was out there asking for a list of all our employees, including all of our spies who had worked more than 90 days abroad from the director of national intelligence. And it shocked people, right? It shocked people in intelligence. They were like, what is he asking for this for, you know? And then as you said, you know, like it might just be a coincidence, but months after he left office with cases and cases of classified documents, the CIA informants were captured and killed and compromised, and we lost dozens of agents. How did we suddenly lose dozens of agents unless somebody gave them up? I mean, as you point out, if Trump shared American secrets with Putin, our intelligence agencies aren't going to let us know. Similarly, if he shared in our intelligence with Saudi Arabia, our government isn't going to let us know. I mean, short of a trial for treason, it's unlikely that any of these allegations, even if they were true, would end up in court because it would just be too much information for the general public to have. Yeah. And the Saudi stuff is is another area where I think there really needs to be a, a serious investigation. And you can bet if this was a Democratic president that had done those <laughs> things, Congress would be all over it. But, you know, I mean, uh, Jared Kushner went over there when MBS was just one of multiple princes jockeying for position. And MBD, his cousin, was actually the son of the king, the current king, and was in the line of secession. He was the grandson of the founder, founder of Saudi Arabia. And uh, according to the Jerusalem Post, Jared had brought with him uh, the presidential daily briefing that Trump had gotten a, a couple of days earlier that listed 
who in the royal family was pro-MBS and who was opposed to MBS. And MBS then has all these people arrested and takes them into the Ritz-Carlton under, under heavy guard, kills one of them, tortures others, you know, strips their wealth from some of them, and then proclaims himself, the, you know, the leader of Saudi Arabia and takes over the trillion dollar, you know, sovereign wealth fund and stuff. Um, and then as soon as Trump leaves office, he gives Jared Kushner $2 billion. And then, yeah. you know, a bunch of Saudis come over to the, to the Trump golf courses, uh, with big golf bags, by the way, that you can stuff lots of documents into and uh, start playing golf. And and uh, the Saudis are giving professional golf players literally hundreds of millions of dollars to play. And Trump is playing on that course. And it's his course. How many hundreds of millions of dollars did they give Trump? Maybe a billion. I mean, who knows that, you know, MBS owes his his uh, his you know, dictatorship to, to the Trump family. Um, and, and again, this isn't being investigated to the best of my knowledge. It just makes me crazy. It does. It makes you crazy. It actually makes me a little bit weepy. I get quite sad, actually, looking at it all together because you just think, oh, my God, this is a disaster. It's like a house of cards, really, right? But the thing is, is as you point out, you know, Trump caused us endless problems with intelligence, with corruption, with stealing private documents. But he got this far, not because there wasn't a precedent. People act like he's like this exception, this sort of evil unicorn who's never done this before. But there actually is a precedent. We keep saying that this kind of criminality has never happened before. But if you read your work and you look at history, it actually has. You know, he's not our first criminal president to have committed crimes to get into office or committed crimes while in office. And the fact that most of us don't know that is a failure of our education system, of our media, and quite frankly, as our own sense of self as a country. I think we're often so enamored with the myth of America that we don't really tell the real story of America. And as you point out, as Donald Trump faces the music for just a small slice of the crimes he probably committed against our nation, we can't forget that he's not the the first president to do this, that in reality, he is simply carrying on a tradition from the Republican Party that stretches all the way back to 1968. Do you want to talk to me a little bit about that? Like, let's just talk Nixon and Reagan, because reading your work, I felt nauseous, but also I felt like, how is it possible that someone like me who likes to pay attention and understands things doesn't know this information? Did you know that temperature has one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you're someone who wakes up too hot or too cold, then I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics to make temperature regulating bedding so you get to sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. The silver-infused sheets also prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, allowing them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than regular sheets. So on top of getting a better night's sleep, you're also doing less laundry. Plus, Miracle Made sheets are so nice. They're soft and comfortable and feel just as luxurious as some of the bed sheets used in five-star hotels. So try it out for yourself by going to trymiracle.com slash politicsgirl. And if you order today, you'll save 40% off. And with the promo code politicsgirl, you'll get three free towels and an extra 20%. That's a hell of a deal. Miracle is so confident that you're going to love their product that they've backed it with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll give you a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made today. Go to trymiracle.com slash politicsgirl and use the code politicsgirl to claim your free three-piece towel set and to save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash politicsgirl. 
Okay, so a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. I've been talking a lot lately about the fact that I don't really have a paycheck and how unsustainable that is. So I understand what it's like to be in a pinch for cash before you're gonna get paid again. And it's hard. So Dave created a banking app that could help you get up to $500 instantly when you need it, with no interest, no late fees, and no credit check. Dave understands it can be incredibly stressful to try and figure out your life when an unexpected expense comes up, which is why Dave has been called banking for humans. We've all been there. You have an unexpected medical expense. You get into a fender bender. You don't have the money to pay an immediate bill. But with Dave, you can get help when you really need it. As they say, think of it like getting a helping hand from a future you. To try it out, download the Dave app from the App Store or go to dave.com slash politicsgirl to check it out. That's D-A-V-E dot com slash politicsgirl and sign up for an extra cash account that can get you up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve Bank and Trust, member of the FDIC. I'm sure you can tell from listening to these podcasts that I need my brain to be working properly. One of the things that scared me the most about having COVID was for about a month afterward, my brain was just not working fast enough and it scared me because I kind of defined myself by being on top of it. Luckily, that went away. But I'm very pleased to have a new sponsor, Mosh, which is a protein bar made for your brain. Whether you're at the gym or on the go or between meals, Mosh protein bars are the smart snack to keep your brain and body fit and feeling good. These high protein, no sugar added, GMO and gluten-free protein bars are the perfect way to keep healthy and keep energized. Mosh bars come in six flavors and each one includes 12 grams of protein as well as ingredients that support brain health like lion's mane, collagen and omega-3s. Each bar has only 160 calories and one gram of sugar. It's a guilt-free snack for your brain and your body. Plus, Mosh Bars were founded by Patrick Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, mother and son, who are on a mission to make a difference and are donating a portion of all the proceeds to support brain research at the Women's Alzheimer's Movement at the Cleveland Clinic. So you get a healthy midday snack without all the sugar and junk, and we get to fund research to help solve Alzheimer's. So win-win. So don't settle for some mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and your mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. Head to moshlife.com slash politicsgirl to save 20% off your first six count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six count trial pack, which includes all six flavors at moshlife.com slash politicsgirl. I really love do-gooder companies. You guys are my people. Speaking of do-gooders, I am so excited that Real Paper is now a sponsor of the Politics Girl podcast. Did you know that we cut down tens of thousands of trees every day just to supply America with toilet paper? That's brutal. And it's not like toilet paper can be recycled or reused, so it's just going straight into our water system. Real Paper, on the other hand, is 100% bamboo. So they're making their toilet paper from a plant that grows incredibly fast, can be harvested and regenerated, and doesn't impact entire ecosystems of forests. And Real Paper is the best kind of eco-friendly product because it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing something to help the earth. In fact, it might feel like an upgrade. Real Paper is shipped straight to your door in plastic-free packaging, and you can schedule a subscription so it comes exactly when you need it. Real Paper also partnered with One Tree Planted, so every box of Real Paper sold helps fund reforestation efforts. So while your regular toilet paper cuts down trees, Real Paper is actively replanting them. 
Real Paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions or for a one-time purchase on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your door with free shipping and 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. If you head to realpaper.com politicsgirl and sign up for a subscription by using my code politicsgirl at checkout, you will automatically get 30% off your first order and free shipping. That's R-E-E-L. P-A-P-E-R dot com slash politics girl and enter the promo code politics girl to get 30% off your first order plus free shipping. Let's consider making a change for good this year and switching to real paper. Real. It's paper for the planet. Finally, I'm so excited to try our new sponsor, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills all in one place. 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. I am definitely one of them. Like you sign up for a Stars app to watch one show or you try a yoga app and then all of a sudden you have this recurring membership that you never actually use. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions and cancel anything you don't want. You just hit cancel and Rocket Money cancels it for you. It's that easy. I cannot wait to get into this. Over 3 million people are already using Rocket Money and the average person is saving up to $720 a year. Rocket Money also helps you manage your finances and automatically categorizes your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and get alerted if something looks off. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash politicsgirl. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash politicsgirl. I'm so excited to get going on this. Thank you for creating such a cool product, Rocket Money. And now... Back to the brilliant Tom Hartman. My son recently read us a list that he found on TikTok of every president and the amount of indictments each one had. And he went through every single name. And I thought, oh my God, how long is this going to take? He was going through all 47. <laughs> and every single one of them was zero indictments, zero indictments, zero indictments. And then it got to Trump and he said 37. But when he said Nixon, my husband and I both went like, you know, and really, we should be making that noise about Reagan too. But I didn't really know about Reagan until this year. I was only five when he became president. And although I've become familiar with this terrible corner America turned under his leadership, reading all this information, again, it made me want to cry. I mean, if we had just held these leaders responsible for their crimes at the time, maybe we wouldn't be here now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Richard Nixon, uh, and we didn't learn this until, geez, 12 14 years ago, something like that, you know, when it first came yeah, out. 2013. The, the, yeah, the LBJ library um, uh, had held his tapes until a certain number of years after his death. And, and that number of years elapsed and they released these, these tapes of, from 1968. And what we learned, um, and, and, and this isn't like, you know, Tom's weird conspiracy theory. You can read about it in the New York Times. It's just that these were one day stories when they came out. And, and again, if it had been a democratic president, everybody in America could recite this chapter and verse. But um, what had happened was in 68, Lyndon Johnson was president, Hubert Humphrey was vice president. Humphrey was going to be running against Nixon or was running against Nixon in the election that was scheduled for November of 68. And around August of 68, Lyndon Johnson had, and President Johnson had worked out between the North and South Vietnamese a peace deal. Uh, the North wanted the, the war to end. The South, everybody wanted the war to end. And they, you know, and, and he cut a deal. And Nixon learned about this. And in Nixon's apartment in New York City with uh, Anna Chenault, who was uh, part of the old China lobby, 
Um, he he uh, they called the president of South Vietnam or the ambassador, actually, of, of South Vietnam and said, you know, if you guys will hold off and not go to Paris and sign the, the, the peace deal that Johnson has put together, then, uh, you know, we'll we'll make you rich. And the president of South Vietnam said, OK, and blew up the deal. So then Lyndon Johnson calls up Everett Dirksen, who was the senior you know, Republican in the Senate and one of the most respected men in America, frankly, at the time. He had this deep, gravelly voice. And LBJ calls him up and says, you know, uh, I, I'm reading their hand, Everett, and I don't want to get this into the election, but, you know, he's, he can't be doing this. This is treason. And Everett Dirksen says, I know, <laughs> and, and says, you know, he's going to reach out to Nixon. Well, they did. They reached out to Nick Dirksen, reached out to Nixon. Nixon calls up LBJ. There's a tape of Nixon talking to LBJ in which Nixon is like denying that he has anything to do with it or that he knows anything about it. And LBJ is going, you know, you're probably going to win the election now that this thing is blowing up. And this is going to be a problem for you because you're going to be stuck with this war continuing. And, and Nixon is like plain dumb. I mean, it was just, it was so bizarre. But bottom line, Nixon committed treason to become president. And we've known this for over a decade now. And then, you know, uh, back in, uh, I think it was 2013, Abul Hassan Bani Sadr, who was the president of Iran in 1980, he, you know, uh, the, the hostages were taken during Jimmy Carter's presidency in late 1979. I think it was in November of 79. And it became a real thorn in his side. And the, and the Republicans, of course, were constantly beating him up. He tried to rescue them and the the plane, you know, the helicopters went down in a sandstorm and, and Carter was looking more and more uh, basically impotent, you know, a, a, a wimp factor. And it turned out what we learned, what, what Bonnie Sauter said when he came to the United States in 2013 was he had worked out a deal with Jimmy Carter to, to release the hostages. He, he ran for president on that deal in the election of August 1980 and won with 79% of the vote on a promise that he was going to release the hostages. The Iranian people wanted the hostages released. But once he became president, he discovered that the Ayatollah months earlier had cut a deal with the Reagan campaign to hang on to the hostages until after the election to, to so that Reagan could beat Carter. And that's exactly what happened. And then, you know, the, the when Reagan gets sworn in on, on January 20th, 1981, Literally, the moment he put his hand on the Bible to, to swear in was the moment they opened the door and let the hostages out. I mean, to the minute. And it was simply Iran's way, the Ayatollah's way of saying, OK, you promised to sell us spare parts for all of our American weaponry. And at that point, it had been over a year since the shot had fallen. And they, some of their, uh, particularly their fighter jets, were having problems. And then, you know, what, four months ago? Um, ben Barnes, who was, uh, you know, the uh, lieutenant governor of Texas at one point and, uh, you know, a member of Congress and he was head of the Republican Party. Ben Barnes comes out and says, you know, Jimmy Carter just went into hospice. I have to tell this story. Ben Barnes is 82 years old, you know, and, and he said uh, back in 1980, he went with John Connolly, the governor of Texas, and flew to Paris to cut the deal with the Ayatollah or the Ayatollah's representative that if they would hold the hostages, then Reagan would sell them weapons and, you know, and armaments for the American mili military equipment that they had. I mean, he verified this in the New York Times, you know, just a few months ago. And Americans are not talking about it. It's like, you know, what? Wait a minute. Ronald Reagan committed treason, just like Nixon did, almost identical, in order to become president. 
and we're not, you know, his memory is not being sullied and nobody will talk about it. And where the hell are the Democrats on this is what I want to know. And, the, and then, of course, you know, you've got uh, George W. Bush becoming president because his daddy put a couple of people on the on the Supreme Court. And, and then he lies us into two wars. You know, he, he becomes a criminal president. Frankly, you know, the reason we didn't join the International Criminal Court where Jack Smith was working was because uh, we were afraid that George W. Bush would get arrested. Um, no, I mean, for people that don't understand, like I said, I, I like to think of myself as being knowledgeable about politics. But I don't think I conceptually understood this because our media hasn't told us, our education hasn't told us, even the story of the country. And like you said, the Democrats are not harping on this. Like Nixon made a deal behind the back of the American president to continue the Vietnam War, to get himself into power. We could have had a peace deal in 1968. Instead, the war ended in 1975. 22,000 American service members and more than a million Vietnamese died in those five years because of Nixon's choice to get himself into office. And no one knew about it until like 2013 because those tapes weren't released. And so it kind of went to the grave with LBJ and Herbert Humphrey and Everett Dixon. And I think in a lot of ways, just like Obama thinking the Russians were interfering with the election and not stepping in because it seemed like Hillary was going to win at the time, Polling looked like Vice President Herbert Humphrey was going to win. So they didn't yeah. say anything. And Nixon ended yeah. up winning. And he won. And then he committed more crimes while he was in office. Because why wouldn't he? Right? Like, why wouldn't he? What did we do? Right? And then we get to 1980. And Reagan makes a deal behind President Carter's back to not save the hostages. And he makes an arms deal with the Ayatollah on the side, which caused the entire Iran-Contra scandal, which I'm sure people have at least heard of, right? We've heard of the Iran-Contra scandal, but we don't understand how it all lines up. Reagan kept his side of the deal. Don't release the hostages. I will give you arms. And they didn't release the hostages. Like you said, the moment he put his hand on the Bible to be sworn in as president, and you could look, the hostages, the American hostages were released on January 20th right as Reagan was being sworn in. It was a done deal between the Ayatollah and Reagan. And Reagan wasn't busted for selling them spare parts and weapons until 1986. And even then, that crime wasn't confirmed until, like you said, March of this year, when Ben Barnes came out and he was like, Carter's dying, I have to say something. I'm already an old man. It's gonna, It can't just die with me. And there were investigations into Iran-Contra. That's why I know the words. That's why people have heard of it. But the attorney general at the time, wait for it, Bill Barr, okay, and President George H.W. Bush blew it up, including pardoning all the main criminals in Iran-Contra on Christmas Eve of 1992, just as George W. Bush was leaving office. He was in a lame duck. So the entire thing makes me want to cry. The corruption, the death, the lack of accountability, the treason, it all led to Trump. Every single one of these things was a green light for Republicans to continue to break the law, to get in and to keep power. Because why would you think twice about sharing top secret national security documents or having Russian spies hang around you or sending a senator to a private mission to hand deliver unknown secret documents if people hadn't done it and gotten away with it before, right? It is just ludicrous to know that this is the history of our nation and most people don't know it. And I'm not saying this stuff and Tom isn't saying this stuff because we're living in some sort of tinfoil hat conspiracy land. 
all of this can be corroborated. All of this is public record now. And so you can look it up, but why aren't we talking about it, right? The media continues to both sides this narrative. And they think, unless they can point to a crime by a Democratic president, they can't report on a crime by a Republican president. But it's maybe it's only one side that's doing the treasoning. And reporting on it doesn't make you biased, it makes you honest. If we just heard about these things and reported them like the incredible scandals they were, maybe we wouldn't find ourselves at this point where our former commander-in-chief had our nuclear secrets in the bathroom of his golf resort, right? It's no wonder Trump thought he could get away with everything everyone else before him had. And I think that probably is informing a lot of his outrage because he knows what Nixon got away with. Uh, you know, and he's got to know what Reagan got away with because, like I said, it's public information now. And, and he's now he's feeling very picked on. I mean, you know, they got away with it. Why can't I? I'm telling you, this is the craziest stuff. When I was going through this stuff with my husband, he was like, what? Like, Reagan did what? Like, I mean, people don't have a clue. How is that possible, Tom? And every hot link that was in my article was either to the New York Times or the Washington Post. I mean, I was, there's a zillion sources for this stuff, but I wanted it to be, you know, mainstream media credibility. Yeah. You know, in the hopes that maybe, you know, some, you know, Joy Reid or somebody, you know, would read it and pick it up and go, hey, we should talk about this on television. Yeah. Sean was like, why isn't this a Netflix movie? Like, he was like, yeah. why isn't this, you know, where it's like treason and a treason and a treason. Like, it's a it's a hell of a story, but it's also yeah. true. I think people yeah. want so hard for us to be the good guy that all the things that don't line up with that, we try and brush them away. But that's led us to where we are now. I think you're absolutely right. Well, I think that's probably where we should leave it for today. I mean, I want people to kind of chew on this and really think about it and look it up. Go and look it up. Read Tom's work on the Hartman Report, but go and look it up. You can cross-reference this stuff with a lot of things. And ultimately, I think it's essential that we're talking about these things. We have to call them out for what they are. We have to understand that our history and our media has not been telling us the full story. We need to be reading and listening to independent sources like Tom, and we have to be making sure at this moment in time, we don't let the powerful get away with it again, that we hold this president accountable and we send a message to those who would come after him or would seek to rule in his place that America actually wants to be the good guy, not just play one on TV. And that starts with us holding our leaders accountable for their terrible behavior. Yeah. Amen. Very well said. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, Tom. I mean, there's always so much I want to talk to you about. And I hope you will come back and talk to me about the courts, because that's what I wanted to talk to you about, pre-indictment. And of course, class warfare, because I think that's the thing that's coming up. But for now, thank you so much for just giving us some context into this unbelievable place that we find ourselves in right now as a country. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your program. You do such a great job. I'm, I'm grateful that you invited me. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Tom Hartman, host of the Tom Hartman radio and TV program and creator of the incredible Hartman Report. I know that what we talked about today is a lot to take in, but everything that came up is completely corroborated. You can go and look it up for yourself and then you can ask yourself and quite frankly, everyone else in your life, why we aren't talking about it more, why it's not part of our national story, why letting presidents get away with treason before leads to presidents committing treason now. We need to get really serious about the fact that while the Democrats are far from perfect, 
The Republicans have been irrevocably broken since the 1960s, and we are at a crossroads where we have the opportunity to start righting these wrongs, both with Trump's indictment and with the 2024 election. The Republican Party as it is, with no platforms or morals and a complete disregard for the will of the people, no longer deserves to lead in a democratic republic, and they must be soundly defeated again and again until they are destroyed or they learn to put American interests above their own. I want to thank Tom for joining us today and you for caring enough about democracy to be here. Now let's see some frickin' criminal accountability. Until next week, PGF. The Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network and produced and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All rights reserved.